and welcome into the show. It is Tuesday, October the 15th. This is Daniel Wartman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios, 8 a.m. on the East Coast, and this is your 5 a.m. wake up early morning wake up call out west and all time zones in between and around the world. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you had a great weekend. We ended up taking off the day yesterday and um, really happy to get back in the saddle this morning. Um, short show week this week, uh, having Monday off, but um, it is what it is. Today, today we have USA and um, playing the the second match of um, the CONCACAF Nations League. And um, I think back to the comments of Jurgen Klinsmann recently talking about how, the, you know, the CONCACAF Nations League is basically, basically trashing the project. Just said, look, I think this is a waste of time. I, I don't think this is the way to go. Um, Tata Martino comes out says the Nations League is like being amateurs again this is one of those things um, you know um, when you when you look at say public education a lot of what public ed- education is set up for is the average it's the, that bell curve and oftentimes one of the difficult things to work out in a public education setting is how to, how do we make uh, school for the best and the brightest challenging? How do we get them to go beyond even what they think? How do we make it where they can't just coast through school? It's, it's a, it's a very difficult thing when you're looking at, you know, a bell curve average and you're having to tailor your, your environments, your testing, your curriculum, your teaching style to that, you know, larger portion of students, oftentimes your your best and brightest suffer because of it. So when we look at the CONCACAF, CONCACAF Nations League, it's very similar. I mean, you've got you've got this the these countries that should be because of the size of their countries, the resources of their country. They should, they should be in a, at a different level than most of the CONCACAF region. Uh, it is very much kind of the, the one percenters uh, deal with, with this confederation. Now this is different than Conmebol, uh where you've got powers in Conmebol in South America, but, but, all of the countries are are competitive. Uh, they don't always win, but there 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 are no just cupcakes. You don't just get to walk through everything. You've got to you've got to earn every point, every every win, every victory. In Europe, it, it's it's uh, it's really tough as well. Although there are you know some. Uh, uh, don't know that I want to use the word cupcakes in Europe, but there are some easier matches in Europe. Yes, there are a few probably that are cupcakes, but overall, the the there are so many good countries that once you get through some of those preliminary rounds and you get into the meat of the European schedule, you are facing tough opponents to make it into the Euros, to make it into the uh, World Cup. That's not the case here in CONCACAF. You, you've got a few nations and and then everybody else. And this CONCACAF Nations League forcing, you know, like the U.S. doesn't get anything out of playing Cuba. They don't. I mean, they might as well be a closed-door scrimmage. I mean, there's just, you don't get anything out of that. And uh, Tata is recognizing the same thing with uh with Mexico. So you know, you can bash on Clinton for telling the truth, but Tata Martino 
having uh, having the same mindset, making similar comments. Um, you know, I mean, we're back in that spot of you know, what do we do for a few? How do we make it more challenging? How do we get our best and brightest? How do we make them better? And I, I think, you know, these windows of friendlies are a better idea where if you can, you know, if you could go in this, let, let, let's say this round, um, U.S. could have been playing Brazil, but they're playing Cuba. The U.S., instead of playing Canada, could have been playing, you know, Colombia. That, that's a much better test. It's a much better situation for the program. Does that mean that we're getting wins, that we're getting victories, that we're even getting draws? Where we are right now, probably not. But it is a, it is a better evaluation for the coach, for the federation who are evaluating the coach, for the players who are testing themselves. So I, I just think it's a win-win for, for all of us watching all of us who, who follow the sport to say, look, it's better for the U S to be playing a Brazil an Argentina, you know, than, than playing Cuba. And, you know, it just, it is the reality of, of where we are now for Cuba. Yes. It's a test for the, for, you know, playing the U S but, we're the ones in this CONCACAF Nations League. We're the ones who suffer because of it. What I think, what I think um, happened, the reason why I think this happened, one of the reasons, is I think that, that the higher-ups at, at CONCACAF and Soccer United Marketing, uh, because they are involved in, in CONCACAF, I think they they were thinking, hey, this is another property that we could market and another tournament that we could kind of get our hands into, you know, rather than friendlies, let's do something more official and, and we can get more revenue through this. I don't think it's going to work out that way. And uh, not only is it, I don't think it's going to work out that way, but I do think that the best and brightest CONCACAF teams are going to suffer in the long run. And uh, and that's going to be a problem as well. Um and and we're not going to get around that. Uh, it's it's going to it's going to persist. And um, I think the only way to to change this, the only way to make it better, uh, is to ditch it, get rid of it, or 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 completely change the format because uh, otherwise I do think people are going to uh, find that it suffers um, in the CONCACAF Nations League tonight. You have U.S. and Canada and Mexico and Panama. We'll see. We'll see how uh, the games go tonight. Um, today, this afternoon, uh, 2.45 Eastern on uh, ESPN News, you have Sweden and Spain, which is uh, really the match of the day in the Euro qualifiers. See how that one goes. You can catch a lot of these matches on uh, ESPN3 and ESPN+. Plus. These uh, European qualifiers... Um, While while Spain and, and Sweden are playing, we are uh, we are playing Cuba and Canada. Sorry to our neighbors to the north and our neighbors in the uh, Gulf to the south, but um, that's not the same as playing Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Chile, and and uh, and, and the U.S. men's national team is in no no position to be taking it easy. That is for. Sure. Um, look, there's, there are, you know, when you get into a break like this, uh, an international break, it's often where you, you start to start seeing some rumors, different things. 
So Manchester United's in trouble. They're not doing well. Um, struggles all around. So sources over this break saying Man United ready to spend in January. They're going to have to. Um, they're going to have to do something. And uh, and it, it appears that that, that is going to be the move that they make. Um, also, that uh, it came out during this break, the Delit, who made the move from Ajax to Juventus, uh, admitted to struggles at Juventus after the move. Look, a lot of people forget, even though he was captain of Ajax, he was 19. Um, he's still very young. The guy is is a great center back, and, and I, I have no worries about his future there in Juventus. Um, and I think he'll be there a, a, a few seasons, and then um, I look for him to make a, a massive move to... Barcelona or Madrid is where I think he's going to end up and, uh, and end up being somewhere for, for probably, you know, 10 years or so. So, um, all, all is fine there. That's just our early, early moves, early, um, adjustments, different level, different league, different expectations. I think he'll be fine in the end. Speaking of being fine, Yep, it's that time. Ductic brand is fine. If you haven't checked them out, you should take time to check them out today and use your promo code DWSHOW to get 10% off of your next order. DWSHOW to get 10% off of your next order at ductickbrand.com. We'll be right back with Matt Danner. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Tuesday, October the 15th. We are delighted to be joined by Matt Danner. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm good, Daniel. How are you? I am doing well. So, um, big day for you. You release, uh, is it the, the Mac app version of Soccer Pulse? Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, Apple did something really cool and they've uh, allowed uh, iOS developers. So people who develop apps for the iPad and iPhone, um, in their newest, uh, version of, uh, OS X, they've allowed developers to take an iPad app and translate it to uh, desktop and make it actually pretty easy. Um, so it was feedback that I've been getting from coaches. They're like, Hey, like we love this, but we also want to get it on our laptops because you know, that's what we're, you know, usually planning on. And, you know, obviously you have a keyboard, so it's a little bit easier to give players, you know, detailed reports instead of typing it on your phone. Um, so for the last week, I've just been kind of, you know, going into that, making sure it runs properly because there's some things on the laptop that you can't do on the phone. 
Um, and it went live uh, yesterday. So just waiting to get feedback from people, uh, you know, see what they like, see what they don't like, and then, you know, make adjustments accordingly. So um, let's go back to the very origin of all of this. Um, you, what, what prompted you to try to, to address this need or, or fill this void in, in the market uh, with your piece of tech with soccer pulse? What was the, what was kind of that aha moment for you? Like, Hey, nobody's doing this. What can, what can I do to try to meet this need? So about five years ago, um, I was coaching with Tiffany Weimer, um, who I know you had on the show. Um, and we were trying to change the culture of club soccer in Connecticut. So we had a, uh, a group that we were working with. Um, a lot of the girls had been rejected from other clubs. Um, so it was kind of like a group of, I, I don't want to say misfits, but a lot of players that didn't really, you know, other clubs told them, no, you're not going to play on our highest level team. Um, so we took a group of them, um, and we trained at Yale, uh, you know, three times a week, which is great. Um, but we also wanted to implement some type of, uh, feedback from them so that we could plan our training accordingly. Um, so initially, I was in charge of this and I was doing it through, uh, the survey monkey. So I would send out a survey monkey like every day. And then I would take that information and I would put it into a Google doc. And then all the coaches obviously could look at it and, you know, we'd, we'd make adjustments, but as you know, I'm sure you can tell that was not a very efficient way of collecting information or looking back at data. Um, so I was like, you know, I can't be the only coach that's doing this. Um, you know, and I'm, there's other things that I'd like, you know, to get information, uh, from the players on. So maybe I can build something, uh, that does this. So, because if I wanted to pay someone to build, uh, an app, it's going to cost me, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollars. And that's not something I can afford right now. Um, so I actually took an online class. Um, it was a $20, uh, course on Udemy. And they offer a whole bunch of other courses, not just for coding, but marketing uh, and other stuff. Um, and over the course of nine months, I kind of built it out and I found an app that was uh, similar to mine. It was a messaging app, but it had the same data structure. It had everything presented the same way that I wanted to present it to coaches. Um, and then April of 2017, I released it to mostly to my friends and, and some coaches and uh, the feedback was very, very positive. Um, but they were like, listen, we need an Android version as well. Um, so I hired a developer to take the, the code for the iOS version and bring it over to Android. So that teams that obviously, you know, most people have iPhones, most players in the US have iPhones, um, but you know, you want to get the data from everyone. Um, so that August, we released it for Android. Um, and then obviously now the next, uh, evolution of it is bringing it to the MacBook, uh, and then having a web app soon too. So if you don't have a MacBook and you know, you have like a Chromebook, um, you'll also be able to go on the website and, and have the same features as everyone else, um, which is pretty cool. So it's cool how it's evolved up to this point. Well, I think those people who are not on Apple, uh, should be charged three times the price. This is a <laughs> terrible problem in this country that there are non Apple users, um, my, my family is, uh, we, we, we are, we are Apple through and through. So, um, you know, we, <laughs> iPods, iPads, iPhones, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, we, we, we are in the, uh, in the Apple family. My conversion to Apple came in, uh, the early two thousands. I used to work at a recording studio back when those things were, uh, profitable and, and you could actually make a living, and um uh working in a recording studio and uh and everything ran you know pro tools and so um you know everything was was mac based and and so i kind of got used to it and it's like hey this this actually works better than uh these crappy pcs i've always had to deal with and and uh and so i'll never forget uh shortly after i started working there i bought my very um last PC. I, I've bought one since, but that was for my wife with a, she's a school teacher and you know, she had to, she had to have a PC at the time for some stuff, but, but not for our house. Right. So I bought my very last 
PC at the time uh, uh, for the house. Uh, and then after that, I was like, that was dumb. Why did we do that? And uh, and, and we've gone uh, fully Apple ever since. And uh, so for all of you watching, listening, I am an Apple snob. And uh, I don't know why you keep sticking to Android or PCs or Google. Uh, this is this is not uh, it's not a good thing. Our country would be much better off if you would just make the switch. Uh, <laughs> I don't own Apple stock and I don't get paid for that announcement or endorsement, but uh, it is just my personal belief that uh, it would be uh, it would be much better world if if we were if we were all in Apple devices. It's, it's um, funny. It's funny because the I think the breakdown because I I'll get I get the stats from uh from all the users that are using it in aggregate. And I think it's about 80% to 20% Android. And I think it's actually 90, 10 in the U S a lot more. There's a lot more Android users outside of the U S I've noticed. Um, I'd say it's probably about 60, 40 Android outside the U S and maybe 90, 10, at least for soccer pulse users. Maybe they don't like the Android version. I don't know. I've been, I've been trying to, to, to make it better, but the problem with Android is you have all these operating systems that you have to support whereas Apple makes you kind of upgrade to the next uh, version. So it's a lot easier to, to roll it out to new user, users. Whereas for Android, you have to say, okay, I, I, I may have to uh, make this available for someone who's running a phone that was built in 2010 and it's old and it won't support this new feature. So you have to find a way to work with it. Um, but Android's getting better. Apple is kind of, you know, they have the monopoly on the market. So um, I think in the last few years, they haven't been great. This is a cool new feature that they're letting you build uh, iPad apps for, for Macs because they, you know, that's, that was unheard of and, and probably is unheard of. Um, but I think for the last few years, Apple's kind of moved away from being high quality products because they know they have the market and they've just kind of shifted towards more of like services, which is why I think I think Apple like TV is coming. Not Apple TV, but like Apple like shows. I, I don't know what it's called. It's called like Apple, Apple. TV plus Apple TV plus it? anything yeah, you need to know. Apple, just let me know. and I'll, I'll help <laughs> you out with. But yeah, I mean, they're and you know, it's it's one of those where even like the uh the review process is different for Apple than it is for Android. If I have an update for Android, I just push it out there and it's available immediately. Apple is a little more intensive. They have to look at it. Um, it used to take like a week for them to look at it. Now they usually do it in a day. Um, but it's just interesting to look at the differences between, you know, the two platforms, what people's preferences are. I prefer Apple, um, but they have to, they have to get back on their, on their game. And I think they are with this, uh, letting you run iPad apps on on your MacBook, I think that's a, a really really good step for them. So we'll see. Well, I, I think I think a lot of that too is this this uh, idea of quality control. Um, you know, Apple was, has always been very protective of you know the apps coming into the app uh, store and and available to phone users, iPod users, etc. And um, and and as you mentioned, you know with android it was kind of like hey if you've got the ability to publish an app like you can put anything out there and so there's been those two different approaches um and and you know as as technology continues to evolve and and i think this evolution that you're talking about the ability to now uh take an app that's a native ios app and now it's starting to merge into os i think that is where we're going apple talked about this a few years ago that this is where they wanted to go and it it it, it is this kind of merging of platforms that they are you know now you've got ipad os you've got ios you've got mac os but they're now all starting to kind of do this cross talk um and uh and things are starting to work together and i think you know you're gonna have you know your your watch os uh wearable tech and you're you're gonna have appliance os in your house you're gonna have all these things that are gonna start you know, working together um, and in an even more seamless way as technology kind of finds its way uh, into the marketplace and all different avenues. I don't know if you've had a chance to go watch the new movie, Jexy. Um, no, it, I it is a it is a hangover style uh, comedy. Uh, it was it was hilarious. Uh, 
and uh, watched it this weekend. And and the premise of the movie is is you know that this this phone uh, operating system basically kind of. AI kind of goes beyond uh, Siri and actually gets proactive in altering uh, his life. I won't give anything of the movie away, but that's the premise of the movie. Um, if, if you watch a preview, you'll kind of get a feel. Okay, hey, this is what's coming, and um, and it's pretty funny. But you know, I was telling my wife after the movie, like uh, that is real. Like that is that can happen today mm-hmm. um and she was like well that's kind of scary and i was like well i'm just saying it's technically possible um e- even if it's not through ai like your phone could get hacked and uh and, and those kind of things that happen in this movie could happen to you um so technology is continuing to evolve continuing to get integrated and woven into our lives in a variety of ways um when when you were kind of setting out on this this path to create something um how much how much were you kind of into tech before you you know bit this off and said hey i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take this project on myself uh was that always something that was kind of in your mindset mentality or was this something that was just kind of like, Hey, I want to solve a need and technology is the way to do it. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I want to figure it out. Where were you, where were you at in that spectrum? Definitely the, uh, I don't know what I'm doing at all. And I'm going to see if I can figure it out. Um, cause I've never been, I've never been like a, uh, I would say I'm a tech person in the sense that I play video games. You know, I know how to use, you know, my MacBook very well. I ha- still have a company where I'll edit videos for players. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm good with iMovie. I'm good with, you know, Final Cut, but I've, I had never coded anything. So I was like, I was like, you know what? It's, it's $20. I'll give it a shot. If I, if I fail spectacularly, I spent 20 bucks. It's not the end of the world. Um, and it just so happened that the course was very, very good. It was really easy for me to understand Um, And then I think building the app as I did the course um, helped me retain a lot of the information because I don't think if I just took the course and I didn't do, you know, any of the coding, it, you know, it definitely wouldn't have stuck. So that helped immensely. And it also helped a little bit that this style and the way they were structuring the data was exactly what I wanted to do for my app. So I was like, okay, this is perfect. Not that I'm going to copy them directly, but I have, I have a template now. Um, you know, and it's the same for even like coaching, like for when I'm you know about to do a session with my team, I'll send them a video and I'll say, this is what we're working on. Watch this before training. So they have a visual of what they're, you know, what they're going to do before they, you know, we go into it. Um, so I think from a coding perspective for something that I had never done, if I, if I wasn't building it as I took the course or, you know, um, if I, ran into some issues, you know, there's lots of, uh, uh, there's a lot of forums where you can get answers from people, but I think it, it would have been a struggle just to learn how to code. If I didn't have something that I was working, uh, towards, I probably wouldn't have, have, have stuck with it, but it also helped too that, you know, I'm getting feedback from coaches that are like, Hey, like we want something like this. Um, so not just to make it a success, but to make it something where other coaches can use it, um, and then give me feedback regularly and help improve it. Um, I think that's what, made it actually possible to to make this happen so with you know the project obviously this is a tech project but it's for soccer um and and you and you built it for that purpose how have you seen technology and the integration of technology improve whether it's training player development club operations how have you seen technology working in this in this space alter change improve uh those areas as your app and maybe some other tech pieces have infiltrated or been integrated into american soccer so i'm not i'm not too familiar with too much i mean you you've had heart rate monitors but they've kind of been in the industry for you know, at least 20 years. Um, and now more clubs are starting to get, um, invested in that you've had, 
I know uh, our club uses Trace, which is kind of cool. Um, so I got to see that for the first time, um, which is all the players wear some type of, I, I think it's like a small sensor. Uh, and as they're filming and as the camera follows the ball, I can actually see the the players move in like a tactical view, like as if it was a top down and each you know player was a, a, a chess piece, um, which is cool because when I'm going over back four, shape and i'm like guys like look at our shape and literally almost all four of the dots are on top of each other i'm like okay i said to get compact i didn't say everyone stand on top of each other um so that's really cool um and then i think the problem with the gps because gps has kind of become almost mainstream a lot of clubs use it um i think people just look at the number like they look at how far the player ran and they don't put any context to it so they don't think okay was he running at the right moment you know um how does it uh, influence our style? You know, is it is it the way that we want to play? They just kind of look at it and they're like, wow, like that player ran like six miles in training. Like he really worked hard. Um, so I think sometimes you get lost in the sports science side of it. So instead of looking at it from a coach perspective first and thinking, okay, let's evaluate the session and then go back and look at the data. They look at the data first um, and that kind of skews it and, and makes it a little bit more difficult to get your coaching points uh, across. Like I think for the, the 2010 World Cup, it was like Michael Bradley ran more than any other player. It's like, okay, well, that's great. But was it because the team kept giving the ball away? Like, was it because he was out of position and he had to recover back, you know, 15 yards that maybe uh, Xavi wouldn't have had to do? Um, so I think if you look at the data first and then the context, it's a little backwards. you got to do the context first and then see what the data says and then try and use that to improve decision making, use it to improve your training, use it to improve uh the players. Um, so obviously the technology is out there, but we have to implement it in the right way. I think. Are we getting better at that? Are we getting better at, at looking at the context first versus the data? Cause you know, American soccer is known for, for the, uh, the love affair with bigger, faster, stronger. And, and like you pointed out, Michael Bradley, there were, there were a lot of, uh, analysts, soccer pundits on TV and broadcast during, I remember that, that world cup where that was like a stat and they were proud of this. Like, no one's recovered more ground. No one's run more. No one's worked harder than Michael Bradley. Like this is a badge of honor. And I'm sitting here going like, this is bad. Like this is not good. Why are we celebrating this? Um, what, what have you noticed? Has, has some of that begun to, to shift to look at the context first, or is that still kind of an uphill battle as, you know, soccer pulse and others are coming into the market and, and, and making an impact on the market? Uh, has, has some of that behavior changed to, to be more of context first, um, data second, or, or is it still more like, Hey, bigger, faster, stronger. Let's go look at the data first and then, and then figure out context later. I think the challenge is having someone in that position that knows the game. Um, so for example, last year with the independence, um, Dan Barlow was our, uh, our head of performance and he worked with the U S national team. Um, when Dave was there, um, and he's a soccer guy, like he's, he played in college, you know, he's, he, I don't think he has any of his coaching badges, but he's been around the game his whole life. So he would take a context first approach to it. Whereas if you have someone in that position, who's not a soccer guy and doesn't know the game, they have to start with the data first. Cause they don't, you know, the other one is unknown to them. Um, so usually with coaches, the challenges, they do know the game. It's finding out how to take the data and apply it in a, 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 uh, a way that's effective to their team. So I think that was the goal with Soccer Pulse was to have, hey, these are your players. These are the, the wellness reports they put in. These players are feeling fresh. They're good to go. These players are maybe not feeling fresh because they didn't sleep or they're stressed or they haven't recovered from the last session. Their energy levels are low. And that's self-reported. That's them saying it. Um, so then if, if that's the case, it's very easy. You're like, okay, well, these players, I can work hard. This player, I'll make neutral. This player, maybe I'll make him a bouncer. Maybe I'll rotate on and off with this player. But it's it's pretty easy to make an adjustment. You don't need a sports scientist there to tell you what the adjustment needs to be. Um, but I think if it's you know if the person in charge of that does not know the game, then things get lost in translation naturally because they don't. They're starting from a position that the coach doesn't understand, and you know you 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 
it's much more difficult to implement the changes that are maybe necessary if you guys are not speaking the same language. I think that's a challenge for sure. I know you, I don't want to put you on the spot in terms of uh, giving away any trade secrets here um, in, in future versions of soccer pulse, but if you look at that, the the space on a macro level where do you see some innovation uh possible innovation coming down the pipe uh with with you know maybe a soccer pulse maybe it's something else maybe uh it's uh you know some other aspect of technology whether it's wearable tech or whatever um that you know, kind of will continue this trend of using data, having data accessible, et cetera, to, to do, you know, plan your, your development sessions, um, maybe alter um, your ability or improve your ability to um, even make changes on the fly in a match, for example, saying, Hey, I'm, I'm noticing this. Let's, let's, you know, either we need to sub this person out or we need to make a shift uh, tactically, uh, whether it's positioning or, or just, um, you know, altering our tactics uh, specifically for how we're, how we're going to, you know, address play uh, facing this opponent. What are some things that you're seeing uh, on a macro level trends or things that are some opportunities for technology to address uh, in the future? You know, that's a really tough question because I think if I knew the answer, then I'd probably be doing it right now other than my app. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of um, like player tracking in the sense of as a game is going on. I know the, in the Bundesliga, this is happening a lot where um, you've got guys sitting up in the booth and they're watching a live uh, stream of all the stats that are coming in and, and not just like GPS stats, but like passes you know completed dangerous passes chances created um and that's happening live so that's information that they can give to the staff on the bench um i'd love that in in youth sports if we could eventually get there so like i think trace is a really good start um you know if i'm a coach and i can see okay you're my right winger has not created has not taken on any players they've not played any penetrating passes. They've not been dangerous at all. Maybe I need to change that. But in, you know, in youth, it would be more of, I need to have a conversation with that player, figure out what's going on. Why is it different than how they usually play? Um, I think that's probably, that would be the most effective in terms of, uh, you know, planning, training, making adjustments, that type of, of data, not so much the GPS stuff, but the passes, the, you know, number of tackles, won, the number of chances given up and, you know, live in the game and then getting a detailed match report at the end of it. If there's someone that can do that for low cost, you know, give me a call because I would love to, to set you up with my club. Um, because I think that that data is very, very, very valuable. Um, because sometimes a game goes on and you think, you know, Oh, we played pretty well. And then you go back and you watch the video. And if you were to keep stats yourself, you'd be like, man, like this game did not go the way I thought it did from the sideline. Um, so being able to have that and then being able to use that to go over, uh, changes and improvements with the player and with the team, I think that would be very, very helpful moving forward. Whenever you get, you know, conscious feedback from a player, uh, you know, you're asking them questions. So the way you started this whole idea, this project with survey, survey monkey monkey, and you were asking questions and you were getting questionnaires filled out, there's always going to be a little bit of, of, you know, uh, subjectivity to that feedback, right? Um, when players are are giving their feedback in, and you're getting those kind of status reports within Soccer Pulse, how have you seen the the the, the dynamic, the relationship between the coach and the player shift? Is there kind of like, uh, has it been an adjustment where the coach is like? Ah. Like, I feel like they're always telling me that. Is that because they just want to get out of training hard today? Or, you know, like, how is yeah. how is that feedback process? I'm curious how that works uh, between the coaches and the players when it comes to, say, implementing the feedback. Because you, you, you know that it's somewhat skewed if it's, if it's me sitting down and kind of going, okay, hey, I'm... Uh, I didn't sleep well. I'm kind of stressed out. I'm this and this. And, co- and and so the coach gets that. Now, what does coach think of me? You know, am I 
am I, you know, am I not in his plans? You know, do I need to lie and say I'm, I'm doing better than I am? Like, how have you seen that kind of dynamic play out? And has it been something that that's been an issue before or, or is this, is it just something that everybody's adjusted to? How's that process worked? So that's a really, really good question. And I get that a lot from coaches. Um, the first is you have to start with your club culture. So if I'm a player and I feel that I need to lie to, you know, avoid losing playing time or being taken out of training, then you're using the tool wrong. So you need to have a conversation with the player first, explain what's going on. Um, and then you also need to look for trends. So if this is the first time that a player said that they didn't sleep well and, you know, they're a little stressed out, then I wouldn't, I, it doesn't even really warrant a conversation. Um, but, you know, if it's a trend, if it's over a week, over a month, and then, you know, you get into this place where the body's not recovering, you know, you're putting them in a position where they could pick up a soft tissue injury. Um, then you need to have a conversation with them and explain, listen, I want to get you back to feeling 100%. That may mean taking away some time, you know, on the training pitch, whatever it is, just to give your body a chance to get back to 100%. Um, if you don't have that conversation, then the player, you know, is not going to feel comfortable if a change is made. So all of a sudden they're not starting, they're not playing. They may think it's because, you know, of what I put in on the, on the wellness report. Um, so if you don't have that conversation before, then that's always going to be a concern. And, you know, it, it does go back to the club culture of making sure the players are honest with you, knowing that they're not going to be punished if they say one thing or another. Um, and then you also have to compare the player to themselves as, as their baseline. So for instance, I have a player who has Crohn's disease. And when she says her energy is a three out of 10 for her, that for another player, that would probably be a seven out of 10 because she has this disease and, you know, for her, like she's experienced severe fatigue. She knows what that feels like. That's different from a player that doesn't have that disease and doesn't know, you know, a seven out of 10 for them is just, they're a little tired. For her, a seven out of 10 would be like, she can't get out of bed. She's, 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 you know, she's not training today. Um, so that's important. Having the conversation with the player, comparing it to themselves, having a baseline, um, and then just being honest with them. Um, that's, that's very, very important in order to implement it correctly, I think. How do you think wearable tech um, can improve the ability for a soccer pulse or, or other apps or maybe not even a solution that's on the market. How do you think wearable tech is going as, as that becomes more accessible and, um, you know, more, uh, you know, attainable for clubs in terms of pricing. How do you think that's going to affect the ability uh, of a soccer pulse type app to, to, to deliver even more data and uh, improve the, you know, the user experience customer experience going forward so we've uh partnered with a company called beyond pulse um just happens to have a similar name uh we didn't like go out of our way to find someone that also had the pulse name in their in their company name but they're great so they're looking to make uh this type of technology so heart rate monitors um they don't do gps i believe it just tracks steps um and active participation and they're looking to make that as available to youth clubs and grassroots clubs and clubs that can't afford it as much as possible because they've identified a niche that I also identified, which was this is really just being used by the top teams. It's used by teams that have a lot of money. Let's try and get it out to the the much bigger market, which is the everyday, you know, players, even the players that are playing MPL that are playing, you know, even just a higher level premier, even in high school, let's educate them. Let's, you know, go out of our way to uh, uh, make it accessible to them um, because that's not what a lot of the, you know, Catapult and Statsport, they're not really interested in that market. They're interested in the high level professional teams, the very, very high level youth teams. Um, how can we educate the everyday coach? How can we make their training sessions better? Which is going to in improve the uh, the country as a whole. So we've partnered with them. We're looking to integrate their objective data into our app. Um, so if you're using Beyond Pulse and Soccer Pulse at the same time, you'll get a, a, a very full picture of everything. Um, so I think that's that's my goal. That's their goal. Um, and I think that will have a uh, if if coaches are using it correctly, I think they'll look at it and be like, man, like 
we we really didn't they the players didn't really move this session oh okay well we were doing a bunch of line drills they were just staying in line and line drills are fine the day before a game if you're trying to keep you know the workload down but in general these teams only train twice a week so line drills it, it doesn't reflect the game i can't tell you how many times i go to the the uh the training complex and i see not not our club but i see just sessions that don't look like the game like it's just players staying in line they're not making decisions they're not being challenged um and i think having that kind of feedback to tell you okay this was the active participation of all your players this session i think that's going to be very helpful for coaches moving forward there's been a big push over the last uh you know really going back into the 80s when the the computers Apple started putting a lot of computers into schools, um, and and it's continued uh, to this day. Uh, a big push for technology integration in in education. Um, in a similar fashion, I think that soccer uh, and sports in general are are really over the last 10 years starting to embrace this idea uh, more and more of of technology integration into sports. When you when you take a step back from wearing your soccer pulse app and you just kind of look at the landscape, um, what kind of impact do you see technology having on player development going forward over the next, say, five to ten years? Um, how how much of an impact do you think technology is going to make? on you know developing um quality you know soccer players in this country um i think at the very least we can cut down on the number of injuries um because i think you know i had a player on my team last season so i didn't work with them last season but last season she tore acl um and she's just starting to come back and that you know i look around at some of the teams and almost every female player has some type of object on their knee like to help with something. And these girls are like 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, and I asked the players, I was like, how many games did you guys play last season? Or I asked one of the parents and he was like, Oh, we played like 50, 55 games. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like that's, that's insane. I, I don't, I don't even think a pro would, would do that. I mean, they might do close, but that's like over a 10 month span. Um, so I hope we start to move towards less injuries, which would allow for more training time. Um, and higher quality training because the players are feeling fresh during the session. They're not exhausted. You're not doing a beep test with them the day after a game, right before another game, um, which I've seen on social media, which I think is insane. Um, and hopefully we get towards, you know, coaches who use the data in context. So they have a game model. They know how they want to attack. They know how they want to defend. They know how they want to play in transition. And then they use the data within that game model and say, okay, this is the higher level. This is where we want to get to. This is where we are right now. I have some measurables and I can work towards that. Um, but again, it's all about context. So if they, if they just, if they have the technology available and they just look at um, the numbers and they don't have any context, then we're probably just going to stay where we are. Um, and it requires a little soul searching too. You have to like, look at your sessions and think, okay, well, did I do a good job? last season i do a good job last week last uh the last time we were out there um and constantly evaluate look at the data look at what you're trying to do what does your game model say did you implement that the right way um i think if we do that then yeah we're moving in the right direction and we're probably cutting down on injuries if not then you know we we're probably where we are but we just have more information telling us that we're where we are so so um i don't know how familiar you are with excuse me, Little League Baseball, but uh, several years ago, they they brought in Dr. James Andrews, the renowned surgeon. He works on, you know, all, all kinds of athletes, professional, all the way down to, to youth athletes. He He's famous for doing a lot of Tommy John surgeries uh, on pitchers um, and, and, you know, ACLs, you know, any, any of that kind of, uh, of surgical work. And... Um, he was brought in to, to Little League Baseball to basically consult with them about uh, player safety. And uh, they were seeing an alarming rate of, of pitchers at, you know, young ages, very similar to these, these uh, young ladies you were describing, uh, having overuse injuries. And 
you know, they were like, how can we, how can we stop this? How can we prevent this? Um, you know, obviously you're not going to get it rid of it completely, but, but these numbers are just crazy out of whack. We've got it. We've got to do something to address it. So they, they worked with, uh, him and, 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 some others to basically create a set of guidelines rules for um, pitchers. So kids could only throw a certain number of pitches in a game. Um, They couldn't throw uh, in the next game without so much rest based on the number of pitches they threw in a game. Uh, And they created these guidelines, you know, so uh, basically that, that started to try to, create some some protections for the kids because the kids just want to go play ball they don't they don't know any better at the time they're just they they want to keep pitching uh and 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 oftentimes the coaches are are wanting to ride their their one or two best pitchers and they don't want to pull them off um and they're not certainly uh wanting to in most cases you know overuse their kids or injure their kids they just don't know what that line is and um and so little league baseball basically you know instituted on a on a national level these pitch count limits so you know if you pitched in a game and you pitched so many pitches then you had to have so many hours of rest based on those number of pitches and they instituted it across the board you know basically no exception doesn't matter whether it's a local league game or an all-star tournament doesn't matter um looking at data you've been able to collect data and and really understand you know where things lie in terms of use versus overuse and really start to get kind of a good picture of these last uh, few years and understanding um you know that feedback and and where players are do you think that we can get to a place in u.s soccer where um the federation would have enough data to sit down and make some recommendations about rest time between games so if you've played so many minutes in a game it requires some so many hours of rest before you play your next game do you think we could get to some place like that and second part to that question do you think that would help based on what you're seeing right now so i think the problem is you have so many organizations and a lot of them like does does uh, i'm asking you this question does high school do they adhere to u.s soccer or do they just kind of do their own thing they do their own thing they are not governed at all by the federation okay so that's i think part of the problem is you have so many different organizations you don't have like like it's hard enough to get player passes it's it would be even harder to make sure that you know, everyone's following the same rules in terms of rest for their players. I think it's the only solution is really an education um, one. And that's with the coaches, with the parents, with the players. Cause like you said, players just want to play. Um, but I think it's, there's too many, there's too many different organizations right now to have a unified fix for the problem. That's like a, a law that's mandated. I think it just has to be, um, the coach recognizes that, you know, I can't play. This player is just coming back from an ACL tear. We have a game midweek. She played 90 minutes on Saturday. I cannot play her 90 minutes on Wednesday. I can maybe play her, you know, 30 to 40 minutes. But if I play her 90 minutes with where she's at right now, the fatigue levels that she's going to be dealing with, you know, coming back from a knee injury, I, I shouldn't do it. Um, I think that is much more attainable with education and, you know, addressing things like this than it is having us soccer step in because they've tried. I mean, like even with their, uh, the showcases I know, and this isn't a perfect fix, but they were like, you have to have at least one day off in your, during your showcase, which is not enough time because in reality you need, you know, 48 to 72 hours to recover fully from a game. But it's it's better than having to play two in one day. Like I have a U19 team. We traveled down to Atlanta to play a couple league games. The game we played on Monday, we had to play a team that had no like they hadn't played a game that weekend. They were fully fit. And we had just played two 90 minute games in 95 degree heat. This was this was back in August. It's like I, I want someone to guess how that game went and how that was fair for the girls and actually lost two players to contact injuries in that game. 
Um, so that's on the league in my mind, because I, you know, I, I would never have scheduled that. And at the end of the day, I, I have to play the game. I can rotate the players as much as I can, but the league is the one that's implemented the schedule. So unless U S soccer goes to them and says, you guys need to change this or the coaches put pressure on the league and say, this is unacceptable for player safety. Um, then I don't think, it, you know, I don't think it's going to come from U S soccer to fix it. I think there's too many, moving parts and they we can't even get the basic things right never mind you know something like that where we unify everyone and say this is how it needs to go even ncaa soccer needs to do that and i think uh i saw someone i think it was maybe from university of maryland there's a proposal for a, a full year season which i think would be great um but you know we'll see what the ncaa does because they're 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 living in the 1960s too so totally um i i'm I saw that as well. And one of the things uh, that had been pointed out was if, if this goes kind of full season, that could be major trouble for USL league two, as well as in uh, PSL and, and others that rely on college players as part of, um, you know, their, you know, setup. And um, I, I think there's a double whammy there. It's not just the longer season of college that I, I think would be, would be good. Um, you know, even if it's not, in in my view, college is in a, a primary uh, pathway for developing professional players. But I do think that it is it is part of a, an alternative route, basically, to get there, mm-hmm. and and it should be. Um, conducted in a way that's that's modern, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not the way it's done now for sure. The, the double whammy of this is that new California law, right? So if, if that law um, is upheld and and it's, it looks like it's going to be, you know, I don't, I don't see it being um, struck down, you're going to see other states take it upon themselves. Um, you know, I, I know living in the state of Alabama, uh, the, the University of Alabama is, is not going to, going to want to lose players uh, to California. So you're going to see other states that are going to go, hey, we're going to do this too. Uh, Coach K has come out in favor of that law at Duke and, and having some uh, of that aspect involved, uh, you know, with, with college basketball. So you're going to see that also have an effect on the college landscape at the same time. It could be, it could be kind of massive in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and my hope is that the, the player safety piece of expanding out the season doesn't get lost in all of that shuffle because I, I, I look at, um, you know, this, even locally where we are, most clubs get their games, uh, schedule from tournament play around where we live and uh, and and so when you're a club and you're trying to kind of walk through the fire first and say hey there's a better way a lot of times you're taking all the bullets um but at the same time if you don't do it first nobody's going to do it so um you know so seeing that shift uh this over the last 12 months is it's it's not been the smoothest of transitions but uh i do understand the logic behind it and and i'm in favor of of spacing out games versus training and recovery time i think it's a conversation that u.s soccer needs to be having proactively from the federation level even as you say maybe a mandate might be it might be tough at the moment um there there still could be some guidance i think from the federation on that in the same way uh that little league baseball uh handled it nationally with with their guidance coming from a, a national level as well and and you know looking at the landscape of where we are in technology i think it's going to continue to get more integrated it's we're going to get continue to get more data thanks to companies like yours um and in and being able to to see a better picture of what's going on hopefully people um because I, i say this a lot you know i think parents are often the problem with youth sports and it's not because they're bad parents it's uh, most of the time it's because they don't know what they don't know and um and so i think you know as doctors speak up and others speak up i think we can get a better picture and, and hopefully see some of those those 
shifts that we need to see uh, in the landscape of things. My, my last question for you is this. What was in the water in Connecticut that spawned this uh, um, entrepreneurial uh, soccer um, business operation between you and Tiffany uh, launching uh, all these amazing uh, products and services and companies? Um, is, there a, is there a river or a brook or a stream up there in Connecticut that more <laughs> need, need to start drinking out of? Well, I think uh, you, uh, you know, you, you're a product of your environment. So the people you hang around with, that's, you know, they're either going to bring you up or they're going to drag you down. So, you know, Tiff and I have known each other for, you know, 10 years, I think, which is crazy. Um, and if I, you know, not that she's the inspiration for the app, but, you know, we're always talking, Hey, like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? You know, if we're not training, um, or, you know, she's not asking me for workout advice, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to figure out, you know, what can we do to improve the landscape? What's something that we actually want to do too? What are we passionate about? What are we good at? Um, so I think working with her at the club level, you know, hope I pushed her. I know she's pushed me. Um, and you just have accountability to each other, I think. So, you know, you, your friend group, you know, you always want to have something that you're going to share with them, something new you're doing, something that you're working on. Um, and conversely, if your friend group is not interested in doing anything, then you may not want to do anything either. Cause you, you, you know, it's not cool to do anything. You're just going to complain about whatever your job is or what problems you have. So I think the people that you surround yourself with, you know, it doesn't just have to be in Connecticut, but you know, it could be anywhere. Um, that's going to influence, you know, the direction you take and whether you're successful or not. Cause you know, th this has not been smooth sailing with the app at all. You know, you, you describe me as a company, but it's really just me kind of pulling out all the strings behind the scenes. Um, so when you do run into tough times, going back to your friends and being like, Hey, like, you know, how did you guys solve this problem? Like, Oh, well we did this, this, and this like, okay, that's a good idea. Maybe I can implement that. Um, so I think, you know, it, it can't be overstated how important, you know, having a good network is a good environment, people that want you to do well. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure Tip would have come up with, with DuckTig, even if I wasn't there. Um, but it does help for sure. Having people that are, you know, like-minded want to do well are constantly pushing the barriers of what they can do, um, with the resources they have. Um, you know, that's, that's hugely important to someone's success. Um, so I don't think it's the water in Connecticut, but you're welcome to come up and see, um, you know, what's going on up there. I'm actually in North Carolina right now. Um, but I know she's doing stuff now with Oakwood, which is great. I'm doing stuff with the Charlotte independence, uh, youth club. So hopefully we'll have some on field products to show people, uh, soon as well. So that'll be exciting. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on the show and spending some time with us. Um, and and if you guys start bottling that uh, spring water up there in Connecticut uh, as another third venture between Ducktick and Soccer Pulse, you know, let us know and we can all start drinking it uh, and come up with really cool ideas. Um, so. Uh, Look, best of luck to you. Uh, again, thanks for, for coming on the show. Appreciate you spending some time, your outlook uh, on on where things are and, and, and where things can go in the future. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always looking at possibilities and, and what can we do uh, from a positive positivity standpoint so really uh really enjoyed this this conversation i think a lot of people will as well so if you want to connect with you they want to connect with soccer pulse they want to follow you personally connect with your work how can they do that uh so they can i'm probably most active on twitter so they can shoot me a twitter dm i try and get back to everyone i know there's a few people that were asking me for uh, a game model which i'm not quite ready to to send out um but you know, I'm, I try to make myself as available as, as my time allows. Um, yeah, so they can reach me on, on Twitter. It's just my name. So Matt Danaher. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having me on Daniel. I really appreciate it. If there's anyone out here that wants to try the app, you know, I could set you up with a free trial and I always try to work with people on price. I'm really paying for the database costs. So that's, you know, really what the subscription pays for. Um, but I'm more than happy to work with teams on, you know, an individual basis if they can't afford it, which I try to make it as affordable for the individual person as possible. But, you know, there's always circumstances that come up um, and there's a lot of people that 
want to do good things, but don't quite have the resources to do it. So, you know, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to, to work with you. Well, everyone heard it here first. So reach out to Matt, get, uh, get involved, get connected with soccer pulse. Um, and, uh, we, we need to, we need to support ventures like this and, and, and help, help build them out infrastructure wise as well, just by supporting them. Uh, because I do think technology is, uh, is integral to continuing, uh, to, to develop and grow as a, as a country, uh, when it comes to our soccer and, you know, projects like this, um, projects like Tiffany's with DuckTick, I think are, are essential to changing the culture um, because every little bit helps, uh, you know, shape and shift uh, us away from kind of where we've been and where we could be, where we could go. So appreciate you coming on the show. Look forward to having you again uh, very soon to talk some more things and uh, and uh, really appreciate your work um, and, and I hope others will, will check it out uh and and get involved as well so thanks matt for joining the show my pleasure daniel thanks again for having me thank you that is matt danher he uh the, the founder creator of soccer pulse um check him out and uh check out his work um and, and connect with him on twitter man he's he's easy to, to get in touch with uh on twitter as well I, i'd like to thank uh matt for joining the show i'd like to thank you for watching uh on this tuesday as always you can watch the show on facebook.com forward slash wrkmn or at daniel DanielWorkman.com. You can catch me on Twitter or at Instagram at Daniel Workman. Send me your thoughts, any questions, anytime you want to chat about something, let me know. Um, look forward to, uh, to connecting with you on those platforms. Look forward to seeing everyone again tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.